knowingly, knowing that I have moved this trash can, um, give that some thought process, allow that to simmer and begin to monitor, you know, silence your life enough to determine what's working, what's not. Be honest with yourself about what's working, what's not. What are you holding on to because you are afraid of change or you, you fear the end result, um, the unknown, so to speak. So a small a small thing, but it, it generates big results, huge results, if you will allow it, if you will quiet your life enough, eliminate the distractions, and simmer on it, you know, think about it again. Your mind sent you right back there, right back to that place. And so we have to work for, for change. Um, so, again, thank you. I'm not going to get too too deep into too much, Rodney, because, again, we've lost time. Um, I'm here to kind of listen tonight. I am. I have much to say, but I'm going <laughs> to say radically um, because of my thought process on this. And so I'll probably save my thoughts for for towards the end if I can can, can uh, keep myself together. Uh, so I'm going to listen. I, I want to hear the men talk about this and, and uh, go from there. So, Rodney, I know that you have a special guest to bring on, and, and go ahead and do your thing. Well, good evening and welcome to everyone. Thank you so much for your patience. We are uh, extremely glad that uh, even with our uh, issues uh, tonight, we're glad that you uh, were still able to be on with us. Uh, as Tammy said, uh, we have a, a a very special guest. I'm, I'm hoping that we didn't lose our guest with our uh, technical difficulties. I'm trying to uh, reach him now. But whenever there are controversial issues, uh, Tammy, I think people tend to shy away from them. And I think they do so for various reasons. Um, and I think one of them is because we feel like if we go, uh, go away from the norm or what is expected, I think that um, we feel like we're going to lose some people. Uh, we're going to lose some friends. We're going to lose some family members. And so we tend to become these bandwagoners. And whatever society tells us we should believe, we believe it, or whatever society tells us we should like, we like it, same thing with dislikes. And so I think you and I were having some conversations last week that kind of led to this uh, to this conversation, and I don't think anyone can doubt that racism still exists in America. Um, in our conversations, we learn that um, there are clearly some discrepancies when it comes to black versus white. Uh, Hispanics um, are now in the mix. Um, in schools, there are reports that clearly show that um, minority students are penalized much harsher than um, white students for the same offenses. Uh, for example, if black kid, white kid both pull the fire alarm at the school, the black kid will probably get 10 days, whereas the white student may get one or two days out of school. Um, 
And these are not things that I'm guessing. These are not things that I'm making up. These are things that are true. And those are just examples. Uh, it may not be those specific things, but I, but I hope that our audience understands my point. Um, so no one can deny that racism still exists. However, there's always more than one point of view to consider when we are looking at race, uh, when we're looking at gender, when we're looking at religion, when we're looking at politics. There's always more than one side. And so the other side of this is, well, yes, racism still exists. Yes, white police officers have taken the lives of so many black um, young men. And if you think that this started with Trayvon Martin, you are sadly mistaken. Um, Tammy, I've talked to some people on social media, um, and they continuously say that racism has gotten worse under President Obama. And I always ask them, has it really gotten worse under President Obama, or has the media coverage increased under President Obama? This is nothing new. Uh, police brutality is nothing new to black people. It's new to white people. It's new to people who uh, who grew up in areas where it really wasn't a big deal. But this is nothing new um, to me um, and so many other black people. But let's take a look at the other side of this. Why isn't there outrage when it comes to uh, blacks killing other blacks? Um, we've had so many um, kids die in Chicago over the past few years. Where's the outrage there? Uh, a young lady was just murdered in Ferguson uh, a couple of blocks away from where Michael Brown was killed while she was sitting on on the bed doing her homework, it was not uh, a white police officer and a black person. So when we talk about Black Lives Matter, do they really? Do black lives really, really matter? And if so, when do they matter? And who do they matter to? And, and, and Rodney, how long? You might you might add. I had to jump in for a minute because the when um, when do they matter? And how long? How how long does when a life is taken? How long? What about this person's life or about them that determines how long we fight for justice? Because from what I see, it's as long as the media promotes it. So that's another question. I'm sorry to, to interrupt you, but I wanted to jump that in. How, what determines how long? Um, because it should be indefinite, indefinite, because it, you would want that if it was your child. And so, I mean, that's a question just so in there as well. Sorry about that. I'm glad you brought that up, Tammy, and I'm going to answer that question. Uh, for those of you joining us, uh, we are expecting a special guest, and we'll give him some time. Um, and if he uh, doesn't come in in a few minutes, um, then what we'll do, Tammy, is we'll just go ahead and, and, and uh, tackle the questions that um, 
I had uh, prepared for him. Uh, but to answer your question, Tammy, uh, um, you actually answered the question. The the time frame depends on when people tell us to start and when people tell us to stop. You don't hear anything about these black males who were killed by white police officers. People are not are no longer shutting down highways. People are no longer uh, making their protests so obvious that they that the media has to pay attention to them. They've died out. I know here in D.C., um, <laughs> we already have the worst traffic as it is anyway, but after Mike Brown's uh, at the, the Mike Brown case, um, we had so much more traffic because people were in the middle of the interstate protesting. We saw the news coverage, Times Square, people are protesting. But now it's gone. Now it has faded away. And so... Um, and so now the media isn't involved in it, and so we don't care. So many people made videos. So many people were on YouTube. So many people were just all over the place with it. And now you don't see it. Now our now our attention has shifted to the election. Why? Because the media tells us that we should be concerned about it. Here in in this area, we're con- we're concerned about the Pope. Why? Because the media tells us that we should be worried about it. And Sammy, I think that we have our um, special guest on the line. So let me see him. So we'll pull him in. Mr. Tony, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. How are you? I'm doing good, Rodney. How are you doing? Life is good, man. Life is good. Please say hello to the people. Hey, hello, people. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, uh, so, and Tony, uh, your last name is Edgel? Edgehill. Edgehill, okay. Edge Hill. Yeah, Edge of a Hill without, you know, Edge of a Hill without the E. That's what I always say. <laughs> I got you. Uh, so, so Tony and I belong to a a group on Facebook, and so that was how we connected. And uh, last week, I I posted um, an article about uh, Craig Hodges, uh, who was a member of the Chicago Bulls, and uh, the article just talked about how he was blackballed out of the NBA because um, he tried to address uh, uh, his racial concerns. Uh, in America, uh, the Bulls went to the White House, the article said, and he tried to slide the, the president a note asking him to address it, and uh, he's even noted for, for criticizing uh, his teammate, Michael Jordan, for not using his uh, celebrity status to uh, bring awareness to these issues and, and, and try to uh, improve our race relations in America. And so Tony and I and a couple of other people in the group just kind of went back and forth, and I, and I said to Tony, I said, you have to be on our show, and so he agreed, and so we want to thank him for, for joining us tonight, 
And uh, Tony, uh, before we get into these questions, uh, will you just do us a favor and just t- give everybody uh, uh, a little bit of info about you so um, people know who you are and just, you know, anything you want to tell them, a little background? Okay, I'll, I'll say a little bit of background. Um, you know, as we said, Rodney and I met in uh, one of the, of our chat groups and um, basketball minds will share that. And um, like you said, you shared that about Craig Hodges, but I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, but my family, my mom and my dad are from Panama. So I'm first generation born here um, in America, but my parents were both born in Panama. My mother was born in Paraiso and my father was born in Cologne. So my father's deceased, but my mom is still alive. My dad uh, spoke fluent Spanish and English also Portuguese, he also spoke Italian. So um, diversity in my in my um, household and in our family is a must. I have Panamanians that look white, I have Panamanians that are jet black like my father, and some speak English, some don't speak English. And it's just a different background. Um, went to college, played basketball, um, and now I work for the Department in Maryland of Recreation. So I've been doing that for the last almost 17 years. Okay. Well, thank you, and we are delighted to uh, to have you on the show tonight. And uh, <laughs> please don't be afraid to, to say anything on, on this show. We have you back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never been afraid. I'll be okay. <laughs> Tammy, Tammy and I are known for rocking the boat and uh, presenting controversial uh, topics uh, to our audience. So uh, please, uh, by all means, uh, be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to, 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 you know, just let it all out, man. Whatever, whatever your thoughts are, and uh, hopefully, we'll get some people to um, to join the conversation. For those of you who are uh, new listeners to uh, the Butterfly Evolution Show. Um, if you would like to ask a question or make a comment at any time during the show, uh, please just press the number one. Um, everyone is anonymous on the Butterfly Evolution Show unless you uh, choose to uh, reveal your identity. Uh, the only thing that we ask is that you are respectful of other people and realize that um, everyone has their own opinions. So we just ask that uh, you be respectful. Um, if you are listening online, uh, if you're listening in the chat room and you would like to post comments there, we will read them uh, on the air. Uh, if you post things on Facebook, we will uh, read them as well, but we will not give your identity. That is totally up to you. Um, to post comments in the chat room, you do have to be a registered follower of the show, and that's very uh, easy. Just follow the, the prompt uh, when you log in online. So, Tony, let's hop into this, man. Um how would you describe the current how would you describe the current state of the nation as it relates to race? Uh, um, people think that just because the president, President Obama, has been elected president, that racism has been increased tenfold. The media would want you to think that. But I think it has changed in some aspects, but it also has been exacerbated by certain situations that have happened over the course of his his, um, tenure as president. And I think that 
this is just my opinion that the media, um, when you look at race relations, have they gotten better in some aspects? Yes. In a lot of aspects, no. I think that people have are angry about whatever, and I think that sometimes when you look at how angry people are about certain topics, like white people are mad because if a white person beats up a black person, it's a hate crime. But if a black person beats up a white person, it's not a hate crime. And I've heard and read read those comments by certain people. And I I agreed with them in the sense of, you're right, because if a black person beats up a white person and he calls him a monkey or whatever he calls him, then, yes, that should be considered a hate crime, just as as a white person beats up a black person and calls him the N-word, that should be a hate crime. And I think the media plays against that with the white and the black communities and they do a very good job of dividing. And I think that it's a very divisive topic. And I think that that's an issue that the media plays. And I think that they pour racism. It's, it's, it's always posted daily, daily, daily. And when you look at the way it's posted and something, it's always a cop or a, something happened or some incident happened from someone else is always involving a white person with a black person. But as you stated earlier, and this is my last point, you stated that when it's black on black, there's not a lot of outcry. So, but the media doesn't say anything, but it pisses, excuse me, use that word, but it angry, angers white people when they see, you know, themselves get attacked for no absolutely no reason if they feel it that way. I'm not saying it isn't or true or not true, but they may feel that way and then they say, hey, you know, what happened to the racism here where this black person attacked this white person? And what people don't know the statistics is that 84% of crimes committed by black people are commit, are done to black people 30 years. When, uh, let's back up. Let's back up to President Obama. Um, okay. Have you ever seen? Um, and 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 this and feel free to tell me that 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 I'm even wording this question wrong. But have you ever seen the the level of disrespect? No. Towards a president as you have seen towards President Obama. No. Ever. And, and don't get me wrong, I think the, the closest would be, and it's not even close, but the person who deserved, got a little bit of disrespect was uh, the last pre- President Bush, the, la- the, the junior, when he was in office mm-hmm. before President Obama. He got disrespected yeah. some, but nothing like this. And it's blatantly racist. Some of the, the people on Capitol Hill who have, who have tried to make to belittle him who's tried to – there's things that they've done to him, like the, the senator from Arizona who pointed her finger in his face. Believe when I saw she did that. She would have never done that to President Bush or to any other white president. And she can say she would have, no, she wouldn't have. Or the fact that they keep trying to say that he's African, he's not born in the United States when he was clearly born in Hawaii. And actually – I made this statement, and people didn't like it, but it was true. I said he's actually a, a, really an African-American. His father's African. His mother's American. 
That's the true definition, man. <laughs> because uh, I always say I always say I'm not African American because I'm not from Africa, but you know, these is old, man. Uh, and you know what? Here's the here's the thing. I'm I'm first generation American, right? Born here, I'm so I'm Pan American. The next generation, my kids, they are mm-hmm. American, you know, but they'll be able to speak the language of my native country, which is Panama, which will be Spanish and English. You understand what I'm saying? So absolutely. The, the further further you, the further down the generation late chain you're removed, how are you African American? And here's a here's another case. Can a white person be an African American? Mm. Think about that. If they're, Can from, a white if person they're be from African, they're from Africa. Absolutely, and I know one. I know several that are white that are from South Africa or from Africa were born in parts of Africa, lived and were raised, and they they and they became American citizens. They're African American. That is the true definition of you can't just say, well, it pertains to black people. No, it pertains to if you were born in Africa. Right? Yeah. That <laughs> I wonder how many people have 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 actually thought about that because I know I never have. And here's my thing on the whole African American and all of these other things. The bottom line is what matters is that you are American, and that, that 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 should trump every other thing. I think we spend too much time trying to label people, and absolutely, the, the government can say, and anybody else, because I know a lot of times people tell you race doesn't matter, but if race doesn't matter, why is it that when I want when I want a car, when I want a house, when I want a job, no matter yep. what I want to do in life? I have to tell you my race. If race doesn't matter, then why do mm-hmm. you keep asking me what my race is? Do you know that there's not a box on there for me? I'm serious. Oh, not another. There, there, so, what, so which one do you pick? It's huh? other. And I, put, I put other, and they look at me, and they say, why did you put other? I said, both my parents were born in Panama, and they speak Spanish and English. So what does that make me? Black Latino. Exactly. So if I'm a black Latino by birth, two parents who are Spanish-speaking and English-speaking, then where is my box? So I put other. And they they never disputed after. I, I put it on all my applications. And initially I used to put black for a long time, and I felt so uncomfortable doing that. I'm just like, you know what? I'm black, and I'm also forgetting a part of my heritage because I do speak Spanish. And I read and write it. So that's part of me, too. And don't get me wrong. You know, I can tell you about racism in the Latino culture, too, because there is a lot of that there, too. Trust me when I tell you that. I've experienced it when I was a child. And it is just as bad and sometimes at worse than white with black racism. And I can prove that because I've had that happen to me. I've had stuff done to me when I was a child or said to me when I was a child by other Spanish folks that didn't know that I was Latino that was really rude and disrespectful when I was a kid. But moving on from that, back to the subject, um, you know, African-American, 
why do we label ourselves? Why don't we just all say Americans? When we fill out a job application, why does it just say American or non-American? That's a good point, and that's and, and that's what I always say, Tony. I want you to think about something, and uh, while I pull in, uh, we have we do have a caller, and so I want you to uh, to think about something, and um, I have it written down, um, but I want you to think about this, um, and something you just said made made me think of it. Um, because I've heard it before, and um, so there there are parents um, that tell their their children to actually mark on applications because, like, let's say there's a, a white parent and a black parent. There are parents who yep. tell their children, and it's the white parent who tells the children to check the box that says black because they receive. Um, Additional benefits or additional funding for being a minority. So I want you to address that, but I'm going to take our caller first. Uh, but I want you okay. to come back to that. But let's see what our caller uh, has to say. We're pulling in caller from area code five zero one. Your last four digits are seven six five seven. Caller, you are on the air with us. Hey, how you doing, Robbie? Doing good, man. What's going on? Oh, not much, man. Not much. Just been working. That's about it, man. <laughs> What you got for the people, man? I know it's something heavy. Yeah, I, I just listened to a caller. Uh, first, I'm, I'm going to discuss, I'm going to kind of go back to this African-American thing. It, it bothers me as well. Uh, and I'm going to do it from two standpoints, one, one from history, and then I'm going to go one from the biblical, biblical standpoint. All right, if we all are Christians or Muslim, whichever one you decide, or whatever religion that you want to decide, even pagan, science, science has proven that every human being has originated in Africa. So we all are dictated. We all are dictated by our gene- genealogy. No matter where we came from, how many generations we've been removed from whatever land, our genealogy dictates who we are. Period. That's that's how we right. all get our our, our our who we are. So that means everybody in the world is African. Correct. You can't deny that. You cannot deny it. So yeah, we all are African American. You can be African Cuban, but African always comes first. Even though us blacks wants to knock the white people out of the way. And uh, and white people want to not put Africa in way, but it's still fact we all African. So now part of what he was just saying, why do we mark the boxes? Blame it on the black leaders. If you remember, right about the time when they were doing the uh, the march on Washington, or right about the time when they, by, I say about nineteen fifty nine, nineteen sixty, before there was no such thing as a minority. There was no such thing as a minority. You need, the word true. didn't even come up. It, it did not come up until blacks started. They wanted to have their way. Blacks wanted to come in. They want to be part of the mainstream. We were begging for a seat at the table that we could not afford to eat at. We came back out and said, okay, we'll play this game with you. But what they did was they, they, they threw the word minority in there because it was all about money. And the reason we marked the boxes is because if I am white and, and 50% of y'all are black, I can. I am a minority now, so therefore I get the exact same amount of money you get. It's all. It's all about how you play the game. That's what it comes down to. So it, it, it's it's a method. It's a method to the madness. Because see, if if I'm a white man playing, that's why you if you notice most it's, there are so many businesses labeled or marked in the black neighborhoods, but you never see them. But the address is always in the black neighborhood because by government right, if you put a business in a black neighborhood, you get more points. Because you're Absolutely. a minority you and to, you're a white. Get, uh, get, get <laughs> it's true. See, 
see, and that's the that's that's how the game. See, people don't don't realize that. See, people have to realize too. At, at the other point of it is, is that is not. See, white people don't sit around and, and and think about us and on the level we think they think about us. They don't sit in the room and say, "How did we destroy black people?" That nope. don't happen. What <laughs> happened is they say, "Okay, this, this is what they do." They say that they it, what, what happens is, is the best way to separate a group is to have is build two institutions, but but both of them will deliver unequal results. Like education, I'm gonna give you a school. I got a school, but the outcome of those schools is gonna be different. You can't complain because all you wanted was a school. You didn't ask me for outcome. So all that goes back into the whole the whole identity part of it. Then if you also look at that, let's go back to the slave trade. I'm, I'm gonna go back to the, the Cuban side. He said he's he's Spanish. Well, people don't realize yeah. the first slave the first slaves were not brought by white people. They were brought over by Spanish people. Absolutely. The worst slave trade. And the worst for, slave and for, trade. And for, in Portuguese, Portuguese, you're so correct. The first slave trade, the worst slave trade was actually Spanish. Most Spanish are black people that are directly from Africa. The sugarcane trade. The people Absolutely. do their research. Cool. There you go. And, and people would do their research, they will not put white standard. See, that's what, that's, what, that's what people have to realize. We give white people the standard. We make them the standard and then we try to uphold them and uphold ourselves to their standards. But that's why white people, when they, when they want something, you're talking about the cops. Why does it matter to them? Because they put themselves as a standard. And if it does not meet their standard, which we don't, according to them, it doesn't matter. And then when, whenever they want to know something about us, they don't consult us. They, they consult themselves. But what we do when, whenever we want to know something about ourselves, we consult them. So they still always will be the standard. We have to reverse that. Now I'm done. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. Uh, Corey, please do not go anywhere. But I do want to um... – uh, Can I add something to that? Yeah, I'm coming back to you. Go ahead, Tony. <laughs> I want to add something to that, and this is and this is here's a trick that people need to understand. You know, I can I can tell you uh, that when in 1619, when when blacks and whites came here as indentured servants, they were supposed to serve seven years. They both were on equal plane. They both worked in the fields together, and they were both pretty cool with each other. Let me tell you what they did. People who were the two percent, we're gonna to go to privilege next in, in a little bit. There's the people who owned all the land, who owned everything, and he saw these white people who looked like him working with them next to these black folks. He was figuring, how do I get these folks to not want what I have? Well, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give head, go ahead and give these people a little bit more power. The white people put them a step above them, but they were really the same. So what they did was they kept telling him, hey. You're better than this person. You're better than this person. You're better than this person. That person felt like he was better than him, even though they were actually the same because they both did the same work. So even though he was, a, like they said, a centimeter above him, he still felt like he was better than him. And that, 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 that myth has happened and continues to happen to this day. It's crazy. And that goes back when they came, it's a crazy thing when you read about it and you understand how it was sub- subliminally festered and then it just continued. And people weren't educated back then. you got to remember this. So those uneducated people kept passing this down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And as they passed all that down from generation to generation, guess what? They got to the point where when they got educated, it festered like a sickness. And when it festered like a sickness, you have what you have today. We talk about pr- wow. people of privilege. We talk about it's true. You talk about people of privilege. 
people of privilege, we keep talking, we're calling white people people of privilege. No, they're not. They work just like us. The people of privilege are those 2% that own everything. They own the news stations, that own the land, that own the oil companies, that own all the properties in a, or control most of the properties in the United States. And those 20% of people who work for them, who are pretty rich, see, people understand, they, they think rich is wealthy. No, it's not. There's a difference. Rich, you can lose that in a second. Wealthy, you will never lose wealth. Like Bill Gates, Bill Gates will never lose his wealth. He can give away half his wealth and get that back within five years because it's called compound of interest daily. That's something else that most people don't understand. It's about math, and it's about accumulating power. And there's 2% of the population who control the entire world, not the United States, the entire world. And they control the presidency. They control all of this land. And until people understand it's not about what we're mad at each other, it's really about green, then I think people will understand the context and the label of where this is. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we have to bring Corey back in here. Corey, uh, because Tony went ahead and jumped to our next uh, uh, topic, so I want you to – Get back in here, uh, Corey. What are you, okay. what, what what are your thoughts, uh, your perspective, your knowledge uh, on white privilege? Uh, go ahead. All right, white privilege. A white privilege only is obtained or seated is when the other people below them allow it to happen. Um, yep. If if you okay, we go look at go look at since everybody relish slavery, everybody just thinks slavery is like the worst thing in the world. It always happened. If you look at slavery throughout history, slavery has always existed, has always existed. But slavery was never racist until the Europeans got involved. Slavery has always existed. If you look back in Babylon, one out of every six men or woman was a slave. It was not due to the to their skin color. It was due to the fact of, of pretty much just society-based, like he said, the 2%. It's always been that way. When we first became slaves, we didn't call them slaves, but due to the fact of white people. We came due to the fact that we enslaved ourselves because during war, whoever, whoever lost became the slave of the next tribe. So whenever we got sold, our own people sold us. So the white people came out to a fact to where they decided to, when they, start, when they started taking our identity, when they took our identity, we allowed that to happen. It, it wasn't that they made it happen. We allowed it to happen. Because why I say that is because if you go up to Africa, you can't have a continent that big, that many black people, that many people of color. We're just going to say brown-skinned people. And so many few whites, how do we allow them to come in and take over without giving it to them? Because, you know, we have to give white people their props. They handled their business. We didn't. Now, I'm not saying by any means they're better than us, but business is business. So white privilege, they earned it. But the problem is that they have to keep it up for so long, and they're tired. Not only they're tired, we're tired. So white privilege is earned. It's earned factor. They do so much to uphold it. They live and breathe to hold it because see, the poor white man needed more than the rich white man. Because see, the poor white man doesn't have any identity at all other than to latch on to the rich white man. So therefore, his thing is that I'm just a regular old Joe if I'm not white. Same as a black person. A black person that does not attach onto racism 
has to stand on his own. That's why a lot of black people don't want to let racism go. Because if I let go racism, who am I other than a, than a regular person? I'm a regular old Joe. They have to fend for myself. They have to do whatever I got to do. But when I got racism, I got every excuse why I cannot achieve. So back to your original wow. question. White power was earned due to the fact of belittling the, the man below you. Cost of 2%. Did, now, did they do it by themselves? No, you no, they did not. If you go through our history in Charleston, one of the, one of the persons that, that funded the Civil War, he was a black guy, a super rich black guy. I think he was out in South Carolina. He was so rich to where he funded the most, most of the, a lot of the Civil War when it first started, but he lost all his money, and they got rid of him. There was a lot of black slave owners that profited from that. Profited from that. So, no, it, it was not that, that we just gave it to them. They're so much better than us. They earned it. Conniving? Do I agree? Yes. But it was, it was very business savvy. Very business savvy. We have to give them their props. We have to give them their props. Now, do I agree with it? No, because I don't want to be beat. But it was earned, and they, they live by day by day. The 2% needed it in order, to, in order for them to stay up top. Because who are they? They're white. If it had been 2% black, it would have been reversed. Because if you go to Africa before the uh, Muslims came in and took over, because remember now, the Muslims, the largest slave trade, the worst slave trade out of anybody in the longest running slave trade. Before they came over and took over and did us in, because it was Muslims, it was not whites. We was doing the exact same thing that the white people would do. I don't know if that's hmm. your question, hmm. but just kind of some history facts. <laughs> Man, I, 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 I just have to say this real quick. Uh, you guys are just, I, I don't know, man, you, you, you are hitting this, and, and, and we are just uh, blessed to have you both on this show tonight. And for those of you listening, um, we do have uh, Tony Edgehill uh, on the line with us. He's our special guest tonight, and uh, one of our uh, faithful listeners, uh, Corey Borns, is back on with us tonight. He's been he's been MIA for a minute, but man, did he pick the the right night to call in? And and, and these guys are just uh, tackling some issues, and I would not. <laughs> oh man, uh, if you if you have a question or comment at any point during the show, please press the number one. It will pull you in. Uh, if you're listening in in the chat room, uh, please. Uh, Type your comments there, and we'll read them um, uh, over the air, but we will not give your name. Uh, before we move on to the next thing, because we still have a lot to go, and uh, I'm excited, man. Tammy, do you have anything? I'm full. I'm listening. I'm enjoying it. I'm learning. Keep it going. Corey, welcome back. Tony, thank you. You guys are dropping the knowledge, and I, I hope that people are listening Powerful, so keep it keep it going, keep it moving. <laughs> and uh, uh, I will say this before before we move on to our next uh, talking point. And um, um, so yesterday, when I called Tammy and told her, you know, that I had set up the uh, uh, the show and everything for tonight, she said, "You named that show what?" She said, "Oh Lord, Ronnie, they gonna <laughs> kick us off the air." <laughs> And then I told her about the meme that I created for this show. She said, oh, Lord. She said, you've already invited people. They're going to be mad at us. And uh, I don't know. If you're listening to this show, I, I don't know how you can be mad at these brothers because uh, I don't know. I'm just excited just listening to them. So we're going to move to the next thing. Um, hey, Rodney, so, yeah, before you yes, go, um, we have a message in the chat room. Maybe you want to look at that one and share it. 
Let him hear that. Absolutely. Um, so our uh, comment in the chat room, um, it says, it was not us that enslaved us in reference to Muslims. Muslims were not Africans but from Arabia. It was Arabians that enslaved us and still doing it. Um, what do you guys think about that before we move on? You want you want me to take out your ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, it I'll doesn't matter it. to me. All right. Now, if, if, you, if you look at the uh, – we're going to go look at the old map. We're not going to go to the one we got now. If you look at the, the if you go look at the old map, that's all part of Africa. Chinese at some point was part of Africa. Absolutely right. True. Now the Europeans actually it was the Portuguese when they first made the original map. Every country made their own map. Europeans get smart. They, they made their map. They made their land bigger than any other land on the map because everybody had an equal. Europeans destroyed all the other maps. So the Europeans, when you look at maps from the old days, you'll see a European map. Arabia is all part of Africa. All of it is. Yes, it is. That is it is not separated. When it, the first slave trade throughout Africa was, was dated back about 1890 uh, 8, 890 BC. They had taken over 80 million blacks. If you look in the Bible, they speak of eunuchs. When they first started oh, yeah, taking absolutely. blacks, when they so, Absolutely. yes, they took them over. Because, see, if you look at Africa, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you jump in, and I'll come back. I'll come back. Yep. And here's people need to understand biblically, because I'm a Christian, too, and I'm going to tell people this biblically. Biblically, when you look at Moses, Moses was black, by the way, and how I can prove that was that Egyptians are black. And when mm-hmm. he was in the house of Pharaoh for 40 years, he had to look like him in order for him to live in Pharaoh's house. So that mm-hmm. proves he was black. So my point is that it wasn't right because the Egyptians who were black enslaved black Israelites. So mm-hmm. when you look at how Africa was set up, like you said, Arabia was part of Africa, and they called any other part of it was called Asia Minor, but it wasn't Asia Minor. Mm-hmm. It was part of Africa. So people That's need correct. to understand how big Africa was. And actually, Africa is not the original name of Africa. It's actually called Akibu, Akibulan. There you go. That's the, the original name of Africa. Leon Africanus named it Africa yep. after him. Yep. So people need to know that. They don't see people just say, Oh, is that no, Africa is the largest continent in the world. People don't understand that. They think, well, oh, Australia the United States is bigger. On a map of today it looks bigger. It is actually not that big compared to Africa. Africa is huge. It's a humongous continent. And it's a continent. It's not a country. People think that it's I'm like, no, it's a continent. Mm-hmm. So people need to understand that also. So as you were saying real quickly, the slave trade, people say, well, black people didn't cheat us. Yes, they did. They did the same thing. But the difference was that when they were slaves, the people who were chiefs, they to keep the other people in line, they were kept their so-called title, but they were still slaves. Mm-hmm. And the European slave trade, was they said, oh, it was the worst, it was white people. No, it was the Europeans, but the Spaniards were, were bad, just as bad as Portuguese and how they treated people in the slave trade. They mm-hmm. just took it to another level. So people need to understand that also. 
like you see, people want to live, like you said, within racism of, oh, well, we got to hang our hat on racism because if you're allowed to stand on your own. My mother told me a long time ago, and I'll share a quote that she said to me a long time ago. She said, you have to work twice as hard to get the same thing as some other people, and that's fine. You put the work in. I don't want to hear any excuses that, well, because you're black or Latino, you couldn't get this job. No, you go get that job. You become, you educate yourself. And as Stephen A. Smith once said, I love what he said, you pound that pavement. It's a long journey. It's It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So education has always been a key to it, but people don't get that. And they think that they want it fast. They want it now. No, you have to you have to pound that pavement and hit that road. But when you talk about systemic racism, it was done again from Jamestown when they pushed that that those when that black person, that white person, both of them in the field together, working together, having the same job, and when they gave him a little bit of a promotion and made him think that he was that much better, that much better than that black person. And then it was been passed down from generation to generation to generation, over ten generations. It becomes part of ingrained of of the American way, and it's been that way since. And if people don't think that, they're crazy. But you can't blame white people for just racism either. You can be racist being black against them also. Bottom line is everybody's in the same boat, and everybody really wants the same thing. It depends on how you're willing to get it. And you said it earlier. White people don't think about us and worry about how we're going to get these guys. They don't think like like that. They're thinking of how can I get to where I'm going to get to the next level. And they, like you said, they consult with each other to figure out how they're going to do that. I want to read this from the uh, from the chat room, uh, gentlemen, and then I'll give you both 60 seconds to respond if you want it. Uh, but I do want to get to, to, to these other uh, talking points. Once again, if you're joining us tonight, uh, the title of our uh, show uh, is Mad at the White Man, and uh, it has been a great hour uh, so far. We're, we're expecting even greater things the second hour. Uh, but from the chat room, it says, um, at some point the whole map was one part. Arabia was and is separated from the Arabia's Teutonic plate. That is why it is not considered a part of Africa today. Yes, Moses was black, and Egypt is a part of Africa. We know that Chinese originated from Africa. Uh, Pangea was the one map earth. All people originated from Africa, but we are not the same people today. White people invented racism when they invented race, so it is not blame but fact. Uh did I uh, – uh, I can't really understand the last part, but I'll try to make make it out. It says uh, – it, it seems like they're trying to say they did it so they could justify uh, enslaving their fellow man. I'll give you both 60 seconds. And uh, let's go with Tony first and then Corey, and then I'm going to move on to this next part. Go ahead, gentlemen. Uh so they're saying that the, the the plates are separated. It's all it was uh, all one country. Is that was that what they're saying? 
they said, uh, and is separated from the Arabia Teutonic plate. That is why it is not considered a part of Africa today. At, at some point, the whole map was one part. Um, and it, it was. And it was. And Arabia was, was and it separated. And yeah, everything separated. That's that. That's the point. That's why Columbus thought the world was flat. Because at one point, a lot of things were closer together. But my point is that it's neither here nor there. Did white people invent racism? Yeah, but at the same time, like I told you, it originated from that one incident of being indentured servants in that field where that man that who owned all the property, like that 2% of privilege, he, he made that one person, that white person, feel like he was better than that black person by giving him a little bit more power, even though they had to basically were doing the same thing. So it's neither here nor there, but it's, it's a fact. Corey? All right. I'm 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 gonna kind of try to keep it sweet. I ain't gonna get into much detail of this. African continent. I go into like a whole bunch of uh, economic stuff on that one. Uh, greed, racism is all about greed and power. It's the imbalance of the two. It's the root of the problem. But racism is just a is a byproduct of greed and power. That's what that's that's what came out of slavery. So I do agree. Yes, slavery invented racism because before that there was no such thing as as a different color race. As far as as far as being having an indentured slave or a indentured servant, so yes, slavery racism was a byproduct of slavery. That was a justification. I, I told you, but but slavery, I mean, racism itself is just a fascination with oneself. It's it's a it's, it's a fascination of want to be superior to everybody else. That's what racism is. So the question would be is that did they invent it? Yes, but to what extent did, did we allow them to have control? I yep. think that will be more of the question. To what extent did we allow them to have control? To what extent do we blame ourselves and say, hold on, I'm not going to allow you to keep on doing this to me because it just don't feel good. I'm tired of bumping my head on the wall. It's like using the word nigger. I, I, I applaud young people for taking the word and changing it to mean something different and more friendly. All the black That's people true. hate it. All the black people, you know, you all get rid of the word, but the word is only as good as you allow it to have power over you. We're the only race they allow they allow other races to, to define us by one word. But if you say you say a wet back to a, to a Hispanic person, they look at you like you're crazy. If you say, if you say cracker to a white person, they can let you look at you like you're crazy. But when you say a nigger to an old black person, you don't hurt their feelings. We're the only race that is defined by a word. Therefore, racism is defined by how we feel about it and how how we allow them to have superiority over us. Once you take that away, it no longer exists. That, that's my <laughs> answer. So yes, I do agree with them. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. So we have uh, another caller. <laughs> uh, we're going to pull in our caller from area code 702. Last four digits are 6685. Caller, you are on the air. Good afternoon, lady and gentlemen. I am our voices. I'm the one that's in the chat room, and I was uh, referred to to come and listen to the show. I thought it was an interesting title. When I read what the show was going to be about, I wanted to make sure I was here. Also, sent out some invites to other people. I do believe that Muslims enslaved Africa. I do not consider Muslims that enslaved Africans 
from the historical standpoint and definition of African to be African. They were invaders to the African continent, and as they are still invaders to this day. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was Muslims who were the last official group of people in the history of the world, which was recent, less than 20 years, that have finally denounced slavery of Africans. And then they did what, yes, they had a terrible form of slavery, and I hope that we don't get into slavery gymnastics as to which form of slavery was the worst, because slavery in itself is just bad. And whether it was done by white people or whether it was done by people not white, white, but they weren't black Africans either. Uh, as a matter of fact, a portion of their form of slavery was then and is now to purposely rape and impregnate the women of the continent of Africa who were darkening them to make them lighter. And then they would kill off the black African males, adults, as well as children, so that it would change the actual color and population into people like them to physically and biologically assimilate them. So I just wanted to make sure that when we're talking about slavery, we're talking about Africa, and we're talking about the history of slavery, to make sure that we properly identify which people did what, because from that we can extenuate some other inaccuracies. So we were all at some point in we all ascended from Africa. There's no doubt about that. We have historical facts. We have fossil records that show that the Chinese came from Africa and that there were black Chinese before we see those people today. Our biology is one of the most similar besides the Aboriginal people than any other groups of people on earth. But we have changed into a subgroup of people now that are not the pure Africans. So that you could say that's the hyphen that goes into our names as African Americans because yes, our ancestry, our lineage goes back to Africa, but we're not technically African because we mix with the European people that brought us here. Just like the people who left Africa and then mixed with the other human human moid of the time that were out there and created separate branches of people that ultimately led to who we are today. So I do believe it is inaccurate to say that it was Africans in reference to Muslims who enslaved Africans. It was Muslims in their faith, their religion, who enslaved Africans in ancient days as well as within the last 20 years. Wow. Okay. Uh, So we're going to – yes, ma'am. This is Tammy. Mm-hmm. Before we, we want to lose um, our caller, our own, our own voices live. So if you have to go, make sure that you tell everyone about your show, what day you air, and any information that you'd like to provide so that the people that are listening can show their support as well. And I also just want to thank you, um, you all, all of you, Rodney included, because there's nothing more powerful in, in in my mind, and listening to men, I don't, I don't care about the race, the age, the size, the look, any of that. There's nothing more powerful than hearing men come together 
and being able to agree, disagree, semi-disagree, whatever, in a respectful way. So I thank you all. I commend you, and I am so learning from this. So appreciate it. So thank you. Well, uh, you, our, our own voices, go ahead and uh, give out that information for us. Well, thank you guys for giving me the opportunity. That actually wasn't what I called for, but uh, Our Own Voices Live comes on every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Of course, that's 3.30 uh, East Coast time. And Our Own Voices Live is a blog talk radio show, a spinoff from Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine. And that came about because we felt that African Americans know very little about their history in America and their greatness and very little about their history from the rest of the world. As you brothers mentioned earlier, Moses was a black man. How many black people would say that? So this was a way with the magazine, the print magazine, to teach ourselves about our own history and culture, but also to educate the general American population of African-American history and culture as well as African history and culture because that's where we all came from and that's what uh, makes us. So every Saturday... 12.30 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 uh, East Coast time, and that's what we're about. Where are you on the West Coast uh, before I bring these other guys back in? And and I hope you can hang out for a while, but if you can, I, I definitely understand. Where are you on the West Coast? Uh, actually, I have adopted Las Vegas as my uh, city, so I live in the, the very northern part of Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay, okay. Excellent. So I'm going to bring, uh, this time I'm going to bring Corey back in uh, first, and then I'm going to go back to Tony. Uh, Corey, go ahead and uh, address what you've heard, brother. Oh, I, I, I totally agree with the brother. Now, on that and I totally agree. Wait, we discussed the continent after he was discussing the Muslims. I, totally, I think what people, they try to do, let's, let's take Christian and let's take Muslim. What we try to do, we try to give them more of a brown color. And then when we think about Christians, we try to give them more of a white color. You know, we try because everybody got this picture of Jesus in their house, and again, the white man with the with the blue hair got the blue eyes. And that's not really the real picture. So when when he discusses Muslims and he discusses Christians, I'm 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 seeing the same people. Because if you if you read the uh, if you start reading the Quran, in one passage, Muhammad even discussed. No, being kind to, to to Christians because he said so. I don't care how it went, but he missed Christians in in in, uh, in his, his in his writings a lot. Well, not a lot, but once or twice. So yes, Africans enslaved Africa, and I'm I'm tired of hearing this part and not not that he said, but our younger generation. We all came from king, kings and queens. I didn't come from kings and queens. Some of us came from some slaves that was enslaved by another black man, and we have to take their their realization in, and then look at it. Because see, when people look at Africa, they don't have to. They have to realize Africa on the economic side of it is horrendous. That's why it was conquered so easily. Because when you when you look at Africa, any continent, any place in the world, if it doesn't have if it does not have water, it does not survive economically. America, why it's so great? Because it's surrounded by water. It has a lot of canals. Africa only has few. That goes to the river. And then when you go, when you start speaking to other Africans. They don't have any idea about each other. And during the time that we got enslaved, that's why it's so easy to conquer us, was because of the fact that they went into these places where they had born arrows. They didn't go into Alexander or Cairo or the big cities and conquer because they, they, already, they were already advanced. 
they went to the small small tribal places that we didn't have any idea of what the outside world was. So yes, we enslaved Joe. So that's part of him what he said about uh, it was a Muslim did it. And it wasn't African Africans. Africa was African, regardless of how you want to say it. They still African. They were African Muslim or African Christians or however you want to put it. They're still African. We enslaved ourselves. We did it. We did it, and then we have to take ownership for this. And we have once we take ownership of it, I think for us it'll get better. For us, we'll start seeing ourselves and say, hey. How do we get out of this? How do we get our mindset to change? How do we begin to go in and just do things differently? Because, see, blacks, which is crazy to me, we cannot dismiss anything. We have to – everything that we do has, uh, has attached to you to slavery or Jim Crow. If you ask any black person, what about your, what, what about your heritage? Oh, man, it was slaves. Oh, man, they got beat up in the 19th doing Jim Crow law. Oh, it was the black code. But what about the ones that was not attached to that? How can we disassociate ourselves with that and become just a human to really do what we got to do to make everybody black better? Then we can come back and attach ourselves to slavery. Hey, yeah, I was a slave, but, man, did I show out because I'm as good as you are. That's what I have to say about that. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm going to go to Tony, and then I'm going to jump to uh, something else that I want to tackle while we are on this show. Uh, Tony, your thoughts? Quickly, um, two things. Well, the first thing is I can go biblically and show you, like he said, that they were African. The Muslims were African. If you look at the Bible, the Muslims came from Abraham and Sarah. And actually not Sarah, from Abraham and his concubine. His wife, because he didn't think his wife Sarah could have a child, even though God promised them that. Number two, after that happened, and Ishmael was born. He was cast out with his with his with his mother out of, out of Moses's. I'm not excuse me, out of uh, Abraham's house. And he went out to live, and that's where the Muslims became through Ishmael. If you look at the Muslims, they will tell you that that Ishmael was one of the first Muslims that were was ever that ever lived. So when you look at them, he was still African because, like I said, Abraham was African too. He was black. So is Sarah. People, it's common sense. Here's the thing. When he made, you know, he said he took the dust of man and made, you know, take dust and create a man. Has anybody ever seen white dust? <laughs> that, that makes sense to me. <laughs> Somebody said, well, if, if, you made, if you made a man, of course, he had to be black because he, was, he took dust. I've never seen white dust. He took dark dust and he made a man. So if you know if you believe that I believe that and I'm just saying. So we all know where we all came from, but some people don't know. I shouldn't say we all know. We all should know where we all came from. That's what I want to say. But we all don't know because of ignorance. And I want to attack, I, I, go back to this one word. I'm an older person, and I hate hearing the N word, especially how with how it was used. And so you so disrespectfully. And when I watch movies, or I watch the Eyes on the Prize, and I watch how those those brothers were attacked, and the word was used by those folks in Mississippi, in Arkansas, in Tennessee, in New Orleans, in Texas, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sorry. I tell young brothers, don't ever call me the GGA, because to me it's ignorant. I just can't get with that. That word is a horrible 
horrible historical word that was used for centuries, not decades, centuries, up to almost four centuries, to degrade, to dehumiliate, to despise, to to demean a whole group of people. And to me, when you try to take ownership of a word and flip it, because you're trying to show this person that, but if they called you that, the GGA, you still get mad because you say you can't call me that. It, to me, it, it's it, you know, it should be eradicated from the from the dictionary, from our language. Period. And that's just me, as an older person. And I'm not 90 years old. I'm 50. So, but to me, it's I I, I heard the word too much, and it just it, it does it doesn't resonate in my my heart to hear it. So, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Tony, I'm a young guy, man, and I, and I don't care for the word either. Uh, I do respect what Corey had to say about it, but I, but I don't care for the word either. Uh, but let's jump to something else. So uh, something else that, that, that is very controversial uh, that relates to this topic, and it was in our news uh, pretty much the entire summer. Um, so after Dylan Roof uh, murdered nine people, at a Bible study in South Carolina, all of the people that he murdered were black. Um, the white supremacy was blamed for his actions, thus leading to protest, leading to protest uh, to bring down the Confederate flags. And we've uh, we've had a lot of uh, history thrown into this conversation. And feel free to address this question in any way you want to, uh, gentlemen. Uh, how was the white supremacy? How has the white supremacy influenced? Politics, relationships, and crime in America. We're going to start with Tony, then we're going to go to Corey, um, and then we're going to go to our own voices live. Uh, Tony, go ahead. It was embedded into the system. And what I mean by embedded, Dylan, white, let me tell you something. It, it, it was actually created in the 1860s when they were starting to have issues when they were fighting the Civil War. The Civil War was the most bloody battle. People don't even realize that, that America's ever fought. I mean, lives, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives of people died from that. And when you look at Dylan Roof and his, where's the two things that they try to say about him? Well, he killed all these people and he, he seemed to be mentally ill. But it's interesting. But if a black person killed all those people like that, then he's considered a thug, okay? Or if a, or if a Muslim man flies a plane into the building, he's considered a terrorist. Well, Dylan Roof is a domestic terrorist because he killed, he killed nine black people in a church. And guess what? Yeah, to do what he did, you have to be mentally ill. But so to fly a plane in the building, so you have to be mentally ill. And to kill people for no reason or kill yourself, you have to be mentally ill. So mental illness, it goes for everybody. It just doesn't mean that you're a thug. Those guys are domestic terrorists, period. And that's what Dylan Roof was. He was a domestic terrorist who was misguided, who was uneducated, and it's unfortunate that he went into the house of God and shot nine people 
because of his hatred and bigotry. And the sad part about it is those nine people had didn't have anything to do with why he hates who he hates. If you ask Dylan Roof today or any white supremacist, besides all the rhetoric of the N-word and the N-word and the N-word and calling you all kind of names, why do you hate black people? They couldn't really tell you the real core answer. I guarantee that because how can you hate somebody you don't know? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it's, it's rhetoric that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And it's interesting. I learned, I really understood that after I watched the movie Lincoln. I was like, I was shocked. It, re, it was revealed to me. And I said, my God, you know, when, it, when the 150 years of the Emancipation Proclamation, it was seven generations to myself. I watched how it was passed down like traditions from generation to generation. Racism is the same thing. It was passed down from generation to generation. If you want to have that proven with that, with white supremacy, here's a question. Where are the robes? You know what the robes I'm talking about? Where are the robes? No. Do we know? Where's the ro- where are the robes? Because it's being passed down from what? Generation to generation. <laughs> Fact. That's <laughs> That's good stuff, man. I'm gonna come back to uh to, to, to Corey. Uh go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. All right. The Confederacy. I I think we there was sense. One thing the Confederate flag was is in a society and media. Two percent of are very smart. That was a smoke screen and we fell for it. The Confederate flag has nothing to do with nothing. At all. It doesn't solve our problem. You take the flag down, what happens? We're still black. You take the flag down, we still don't get better jobs. You take the flag down, we still are consumers, not producers. And we fell for it. And we got all mad about it. Fuck it, 10 minutes. Because it's, it's like, it's like, you, it's like uh, having a slave. You do, you do just enough to keep them happy, but you beat them hard enough so they understand where they belong. That's what that whole incident was. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something to, to get riled up about. They kind of distract you from Trump coming in. See, if you notice, Donald Trump slid in real smooth. No matter what he said, he slid in real smooth. Because they were doing all this whole Bill Cosby and the Confederate flag thing. And we we we, we baiting on it. We baiting on it. We, we loved it. And our black leaders loved it because they got a chance to be in front of the camera. They got a chance to show the white people, hey, I look good to him in, in my flashy suit. But it didn't solve anything. So by him killing those people, hey, there he did. I hope God forgives him at some point. I really do. I think it's a bad thing. But the two percent knew what they were doing. It, it's like it's like having like building a police state. You can put something in somebody's mind for so long to where they start believing it. And he believed it. And then once he leaked it back to them, they they denounced him. So if you read the report when it came out, there was a lot of people that we were voting for, Clinton and all of them was part of the same organization that he claimed that he was trying to be part of. Once they found out about the story, they they started putting out these stories about, oh, yeah, I used to be a part of them, and I got out of it 10 years ago because I found out what they were about. But you knew what they were about a long time ago. You just decided that, oh, I need the black vote. So the Confederate flag, and I don't care if you fly, you burn it, you throw it away. don't mean nothing to me because that's not, that's not the problem. I can take the flag down all day long, but it's, it's still the same day. Like Michael Mc said, we still can't afford to eat at the table. I want to eat at the table. I want to be able to provide and to produce. 
I don't want to be the consumer. See, the consumer side of us get angry at those small things. The consumer side of us buy into those things because we like the immediate attention. That's what our leaders are. All of our producer leaders, we, we don't believe in us. Well, let, let's take Obama first. Everybody's mad at Obama. But he don't do enough for the black people. But every program he has done, health care, nobody gets asked about health care. That affected most of us. Oh, he ain't done it. He's not the first black president. Uh, this Johnson guy is. They didn't do their research. There was no black president. If there was a black president back in them days, he needed to be shot because he wouldn't label us three-fifths three of a man. So the Confederate flag, it was a smoke screen to to get going what's going to come. Because I guarantee you, if Donald Trump was in that race at the end, he's going to win. And what he want to push? Reaganomics. Watch what I tell you. That's what I had to say about that part. Sorry about this. Sorry so long. <laughs> no, you're fine, man. Uh, we're going to come back to uh, our own voices live. Uh, what what you got for us? Well, I, I I wouldn't suggest that we take victory that we have, no matter how big or how how small, away from us. And the Confederate flag coming down in a state of the Confederacy is maybe to some a large victory, to others a much smaller victory, but a victory nevertheless because the Confederate flag represented a symbol of something that was oppressive to a group of people for hundreds of years, even though the flag isn't that old. So I would suggest that we not consider it a victory because it was a victory because it's a symbol that came down. I look at it as having to walk by something every day that reminded you of a time of some type of despair or brutality to yourself or to someone else, and then having it reinforced, similarly to the guards who would have to hoist that flag up every day who were black and then bring it back down and hold it in a position of honor, even though it represented the enslavement of them as a people. As far as Dylan Root is concerned, Dylan Root is a product of the flag and what it represents. Because often our rhetoric or the rhetoric of those who get the microphone, public audience, right? Mm -hmm. Their rhetoric, no matter how outlandish it may be, to a rational person, a person of strong mind, they may just recognize it as rhetoric. But for those, unfortunately, some call them the least of us, those who may not be of strong mind, they're usually the ones who adopt the rhetoric as truth, and then they're the ones who go and act on that rhetoric. And that's regardless of whether it's a white extremist or a black extremist. So our words, the Bible tells us that words can breathe life or death. So if the Bible tells us that and we believe in the Bible, and that means that words are important and we should use our words judiciously, and we should also we should also implore those who use libelous rhetoric, who don't use facts in their speech, and those who try to condemn other people simply because of the color of their skin or because of their economic standing, as citizens of this country, as citizens of the world, and for those who are of the faith, should hold them accountable and not allow them to do it because those people who are speaking often are not the ones who will do it. It is those who some say the least of us, the least of these, and the Bible talks about the least of these, 
those are the ones who often go out and carry out those heinous crimes because of it. We have to hold everyone accountable for their actions, but those who speak those words, they need to be held accountable too. You know what? When it when it comes to the um, when it comes to the Confederate flag and that whole issue uh, that 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 just erupted this summer. Um, number one, what what Dylan Roof did. Um, I don't know if there if there is a word to describe what he did, and. I just I, I just had a problem with it. I didn't care. I didn't even care about race, um, or at least that wasn't my number one concern. My number one concern was that what he did was just <laughs> again. I, I I don't even have the right words for it, but I was so disgusted by what he did. Um, but when it comes to the Confederate flag. Here's my problem with that whole issue, and and I, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning of the show. I have a problem with bandwagoners. If that Confederate flag was wrong this summer, guess what? That Confederate flag was wrong before this summer. To see people protesting and marching and speaking up against it this summer bothered me. Because that Confederate flag didn't just uh, come about when Dylan Roof did what he did. And the same energy people showed when he committed his crime and when we saw the Confederate flag and everything that went along with with, with the media coverage, we should have been as outraged 20 years ago, 100 years ago, whatever, we should have been as outraged in the past as we were this summer. And those are the types of things that I have an issue with. If something is wrong, it doesn't become wrong because the media puts it in front of you. If you have an issue with something, it shouldn't be because your friends have an issue with it. We have to stop being a bandwagon society and tell it like it is. Here's my here's my next question for you, gentlemen. We're just going to keep this rolling. Is the Black Lives Matter movement, um, because this kind of ties into this whole um, bandwagon thing, and I, and I want to get your, your, your thoughts on this. Is the Black Lives Matter movement helping or hurting the racial problems in America? And I'm going to start with Corey here, um, and then I'm going to go to um, our own voices live, and then I'm going to come back to Tony. Uh, Corey, go ahead. All right. I, I think it's, it's both. For the ones that are real, for the ones that, that want to get it out there, that that that, that won't – no, I'm going to take that back. Let's be open I think it's hurting in a lot of ways. Does it matter? Yes, our our lives do matter. But we are so focused on the small victories, like the guy was saying with the Confederate flag. We're just so happy getting the small victories because that's the way we we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned for the small victories. So I just I just want a piece of a pie. 
I just want that peace. Just give me the crumb. It's, t- it's over for the crumbs. It's time now to let's start grabbing these big victories. If, if the moment was real, when Trayvon died, he didn't get justice, it should have been a revolution. When Brown happened, when all this stuff happened, people still getting killed. It, now, we don't got so used, they don't got us so conditioned. Because, see, the killers didn't stop. They got worse. The more we protested, the more they killed us. Because they was conditioned us to get used to it so we could stop protesting. And now, all of a sudden, it died out. So, no, it was not. It was, it was hurting us in the fact that because we are, we still have not released us from us, from our past. We still have not accepted who we are or what we could become. We still measure ourselves according to white people. We still measure ourselves according to their standards. But, they, but we have failed to realize that we are apple of their orange. We can't compare ourselves to each other because we're different. Our cultures are different. How we react to things are different. How we see things are different because everybody's tribal. Chinese see things different. Asian, no, everybody's just tribal. So I think it hurts us in the long run. I think it's fake. And, and wow. you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, <laughs> gonna get mad. They go get, they go, they go get so hard, man. Because if it was real, why are you not writing your congressman? Why are you not trying to get bills passed? Why are you not out there still protesting? Because people, I'm still, I'm reading on Facebook every day where somebody got killed. I don't see no more protests. If it was real, why is it not on the news? Why are you not demanding your news people to cover it? Why don't see you still laying in the street like 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 you did on Facebook, posting up on you laying in the street because you want to see somebody, you know, with yourself? If it was real. Because, see, the real protest was Marcus Garvey. That's what it was real. A real protest, this is a history lesson, was, was the first thing with Richard Allen. He, he formed the AME Church. It wasn't Marcus, it wasn't Gundy that did the first setting. It was Richard Allen. That's where the park all of them got there from because all of them came from AME Church. That was a real protest. All right, the, the first the first bus setting was not done by Rosa Park. It was done by another AME member, Posey, out in California. He got killed for that. That, that was now that was real black black lives matter. The the civil rights movement, as much as I disagree with a lot of what went on in that, that was a real black lives matter movement. The Black Panthers, that was real. What we got now, it's all for show. It's all for because it's all for our supposedly black leaders get on front of the T V, they get their five minutes of white fighting and they move on. And they done got what they needed. They they feel good now. Feel, oh, I told the white people how how I felt about this. And so what? What did it change? What has it changed? How is it benefiting our young people to do better going forward? Do our lives matter? I totally agree. But I, I think the movement overall, combine them all together, majority of them are fake. This is me. Strong words from Corey Morris, man. I'm so glad you called it tonight. We're going to go to our own voices live real quick, and then we're coming back to Mr. Tony Edgel. Uh Go ahead, sir. Well, you know, to compare the Black Lives Movement with the Civil Rights Movement is a false equivalency, and I, it's one that I that I definitely will not make. The Black Lives Movement is the movement of today. There's a meme out there that says, "Know that believing Black Lives Matter does not diminish your belief that everyone else's life matters too," but we want to make sure that black lives are included in that. And there has not, we have been excluded from the everyone else. So though this movement may not be what we had in the civil rights movement, well, the people of today are not the same people of back then. So is it a movement? 
And is it a real thing? It is a real movement of today. If we want it to be more than what it is for those of us of an age to have lived during those civil rights years, then let us lend our hand. Let us lend our experience, expertise, and wisdom to those young people out there who are trying to do something that is important to us. Many of you have seen Brother James Blake, former tennis star, wrestle to the ground because he was suspected to have been some type of fraud. And they says, well, he was a mistake. We were actually after someone else. I don't know if you brothers seen it, but the someone else that they were after, who they claim James Blake looked like, was also innocent. So black lives should matter to all of us as all lives matter. The problem has been that all other lives have mattered except for black lives, and this is an effort to bring attention to that fact. Not to say that no one else's life matters, but it is to say, similar to what uh, there was a speech, a woman suffrage speech, Frederick Douglass was there, and Harriet Tugman was there. And I believe the phrase, and someone fact-checked me on Google, is, ain't I a woman too, when they're talking about other people and other women. Well, it's the same thing today. Aren't we humans too? Aren't we Americans too? Shouldn't our lives matter just like everybody else's lives matter? Shouldn't we be treated with the same respect and dignity by law enforcement whose salaries we pay? Shouldn't we be treated with the same dignity that they would treat anyone else? We know that it didn't make a difference for Oprah when she was in a store. Obviously, it didn't make a difference for James Blake when he stepped out of that nice swanky hotel because he got treated just like he was those folks who live in the communities that we often see these uprisings, the least of these. So, yes, I think it's a real movement of today. I think it would be a better movement if the learned brothers that we have in our communities, like what are represented on this show, provided some of that wisdom and guidance for those young people, which is the role of elders to young people. Now, whether they take it or not, that's up to them, but it's our job to make sure that we give it to them. So, yes, I believe it matters. I believe that it is real, as real as movements can be of today with young people of today, especially without the assistance of the elders of today. Okay. Um, Tony, what do you think? Well, you heard what I thought thought about the other day. I gave you a little sample, but I'm going to tell you what I really, really feel about this. Absolutely. Black lives, does it only matter when white police officers or white people kill black people, or does it matter where the little girl was shot in Ferguson, Missouri by a straight bullet by a black person? And she was doing her homework. Does Black Lives Matter only when white people do something to black people, or should it matter at all times? Crime happens, or whatever happens. To me, I believe Black Lives Matter, but I believe all Black Lives Matter. It pissed me off, and I'm telling, being honest, when I heard that young girl was killed by a straight bullet doing her homework. That's another young mind that's in a grave because some idiot shot a gun doing something stupid 
and wound up killing somebody innocent that had nothing to do with whatever they were doing. Here's my point. The Black Lives Matter movement would piss, would anger some people about it, other people, and I'm not talking about black people, white people, and other people about it is they don't see the outrage, like you said, when Trayvon Martin was killed and people didn't have an uproar about that. They were upset, but they didn't have that. James Blake was taken down. I saw the video. I watched it. I, I shared it, and I made a comment on Facebook about it. And one of the things I said was, I didn't see enough black folks screaming about him because he was famous, number one, and I'm just going to be real. If he was two shades darker or three shades darker, because he's obviously mixed, but it didn't matter because to that cop who was a clown who knocked him down and didn't even identify himself, he knocked him to the ground and treated him. And here's what the man, you can tell, clearly tell he was educated because he was had the handcuffs on. He said, look, I, I appreciate what you're doing, but you got the wrong guy. And he's talking to the guy, and the guy put his knee in his back, and he's talking, and then he never even apologized to him. Chase Blake really wasn't going to say anything, but he thought about it, and he had to cut some bruises on his face, and he got mad because the guy didn't even apologize to him. If he had apologized to him, I think we probably wouldn't even have heard about the situation. And the fact that he was famous helped say to this cop, that's why that, guy, that, guy, that police officer will not be a police officer anymore. But the Police Benevolent, Benevolent Association, which across the world, across the nation, excuse me, across this nation, still defends foolish cops like police officers like that one bad cop. They can't defend these guys anymore. They need to say, you know what, this guy was wrong, he needs to go. And until they do that, we'll still have distrust of the police officers that are doing that. But again... Black Lives Matter, I'm going to touch on one quick thing, and this, this thing really bothered me. It, you know, I'm, I don't think anybody ever, ever, ever deserves to die. But I'm going to say this, and people are going to get upset, but I, it's true. Michael Brown didn't make good decisions that day. He made terrible choices, terrible choices. And I read the forensics. See, people need to read stuff. I read the forensic report. I didn't want to see what happened from the cop. I wanted to see the forensic evidence because forensic evidence does not lie. And when I read that forensic evidence, it broke my heart because he made terrible choices. Did he deserve to die? Heck no, but he made terrible choices. Eric Gardner, did he deserve to die? Heck no, he made a couple of bad choices. But the cops should not have used a chokehold on it. And then, again, the PBA defends the cops' use of a chokehold. Can't do it. Everybody in the video saw that he choked them. Lives really matter. It has to matter through everything. It has to matter when black black on black crime happened. It has to matter when white on black crime happened. It has to matter when... All of the all of the above, when people are selling drugs in the neighborhood, it has to matter because that's partly killing their communities too. That's my issue with it, and I'm like, 
if you really spoke up about all this, and like you said, without there's really no leadership anymore. You know, after Malcolm and Martin were 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 killed in the '60s, you really haven't had a black leader who you can honestly say has done a great job leading the black community. Mr. Farrakhan is too controversial, and Al Sharpton is a clown. I'm just, you know, to me, he's a clown. He is what he is. And when you have those two, you don't have anybody in the middle that somebody can basically follow and like. And let's be real here. Back in the day, Martin and Malcolm were obviously were the most um, likable people because people didn't really necessarily like him. Just like people think, oh, Muhammad Ali is popular now. He was popular now, but back in the 60s, he wasn't. So... Um, you have to look at how things historically is played. And my issue, again, with Black Lives Matter is that, to me, they all should matter, all of them. And to me, I don't see that, and that bothers me to no end. Because if you don't, you can't really say Black Lives Matter when only certain issues happen. It has to be when all of these issues happen, and then, People, I feel, will respect it even that much more. Everybody would respect it because at least they see consistency in it. And don't get me wrong, no one deserves to die, ever. I don't really believe that. But you got to make better choices. If the police, if the police officer tells you to, even if you're wrong, and I never get my mother telling it, telling me this, Tony, you make them into a situation where the police officer may be wrong. He may pull you to the side. He may even put you in handcuffs. She said, even though he's wrong, he's right. And just do what they say. We'll deal with it later. And, you know, we have to use better common sense and judgment. You can't fight the police. You you just can't. If you do that, you put yourself in harm's way. And don't get me wrong, James Blake wasn't doing anything, and he tried to do everything right, and he still got body slammed to the ground. So you're danged if you do, and you're danged if you don't, but you have to make a better choice and figure out, you know, somewhere in between. But cursing at them and and fighting them, that doesn't work. And, again, do black lives really matter to to everything that we I just discussed? And that, to me, is the problem. Wow, <laughs> man, you 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 guys uh, are just phenomenal. Uh, as we as we wind down, uh, I, I do want to say this real quick to everyone who who's on with this, whether it's by phone or online. Uh, please do not go anywhere. We are going to uh, close out this show um, because I feel like these guys' final remarks are are just gonna uh, set some people free. Um, but real quick, if you are listening online, the show will stop recording and you won't be able to listen after 11 p.m. Eastern time, 10 o'clock central. And if you're listening on the West Coast, uh, that would be 8 o'clock your time. If you're listening uh, in the mountain zone, that would be 9 o'clock your time. So we have about four minutes, actually less than four minutes, before the show starts recording. So what we want you to do, if you're listening online, is call in now so that you can hear um, 
the conclusion of the show. The number to dial is 818-691-7406. And to our caller who pressed the number one, I see you out there. Don't go anywhere. We're coming to you. But, uh, again, the number is 818-691-7406. Trust me, you do not want to miss the conclusion of this show. We have a great question that came out of Facebook uh, earlier tonight, and uh, we decided to just hold it off and let these uh, gentlemen answer it uh, before they go, because um, I think it's a great question. Um, but, again, that number is 818-691-7406. Uh, right now we're going to pull in area code 330. Last four digits are 4094. Caller, uh, please uh, be very uh, quick to your point so that we can uh, get to the end of the show. Hey, this is Henry. How's everybody doing? Hey, hey, what's up, Henry? What's going on, man? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great, Tammy. I'm going to be extremely quick. Um, I would just like to say I've been listening to the show. I've been enjoying the brothers. Uh, I like to offer a different, uh, a, a fresh, a different angle. I would say that Black Lives Matter, and when we say Black Lives Matter, it should also matter to Black people about our treatment of our own people. But I also would like to say that all lives don't matter. When when someone decides that they want to kill one of my people, our people, for no reason, just because of the color of their skin, and you die, your life don't matter. The, the guy that came into the church and killed all of our people, if they kill him tonight, his life does not matter. I, I can't get with the I forgive you because he didn't do anything to me. The offense wasn't to me. It was to those people and their families. I don't have to forgive them, you know, you know we you know we have laws set up in the land that if you do something wrong, there's consequences for it. And until we let go of the trying to be forgiving and trying to be loving when everybody else is trying to cut our head off, I think you know. And I'm not just talking about just other races. I mean, even among ourselves, you know, the drug dealers need to be dealt with. We need to step out there and man up to them and be like, look, you're not doing this no more. You know, if we get enough brothers together to step to these people. You know, things might change, you know, but I, I just wanted to say that because I know I called in late, and so I, that's just my little take. And I'm sure that I, it could be taken out of context of what I'm saying because I'm trying to say it so fast, so that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Henry, man, we appreciate you, man. Uh, you you are one of our faithful listeners. Uh, real quick, do you have any upcoming events, announcements that you would like to uh, make before you uh, before you leave us? Uh, the comic is done, and I'm looking for a couple of people, I mean, some people um, from different states to order so I can send out a free copy to get your feedback. Uh, the information is on my Facebook page, uh, you, or you can email me at henrygardenart at yahoo.com and send me your address and the city and state that you're from, and I'll get a copy to you while the supplies last, as long as you give me feedback. That's the only requirement. Okay, okay. We appreciate you, brother. We hope that you will uh, hang on with us, man. This 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 is going to be really exciting, man. As we as we close out the show again, we we do appreciate you listening uh, to the show. Um, so I'm going to ask this question. Uh, it came from Facebook uh, earlier uh, today, and I think it's great because um, I am 
uh, one person who uh, I love controversial topics. Um, I'm all about respect. So, you know, um, as long as people are here respectful, uh, I am cool. And um, for those of you who have been listening to tonight's show, there there, there, there are some differences of opinion. Um, and I think that those are great. I, thought, I think that those are healthy, uh, especially when we are open-minded people, uh, because it gives us a chance to see the world or see an experience through someone else's eyes. Um, and so I, I am grateful for uh, tonight's guest. But while I like talking about controversial things, while I like talking about problems, I also love solutions. And so uh, our guest uh, tonight, especially our, our, our special guest, uh, Tony, uh, we're going to give them a chance to answer this question. Uh, someone from Facebook says, don't forget about the uh, – I'm sorry. It says 50 years from now, it will still be the same. Talking about racism, discrimination, segregation. 50 years from now, uh, they said it will still be the same. What is a solution or a remedy? And I'm going to go to our own voices live, then I'm going to go to Corey, and then I'm going to um, let Tony have the final say for this one. Uh our own voices. Go ahead. You have the floor. Well, we know from data and research now that psychologists tell us that biases start at three years of age. We're not born with it. It's something that we learn. And then biases turn into racism. And we also know that racism is taught in school the American education system. And the way that it's done is by excluding the contributions of Africans and African Americans to this country as well as to the world. Because what it does through omission is show that blacks, American blacks, and Africans contributed nothing. Therefore, they are less than. And then all of the classes, doesn't make any difference what class you're in, whether it's math, whether it's science, whether it's English or history, teaches European history. And in that European history, oftentimes it will replace the accomplishments of blacks with the accomplishments of Europeans. So it looked like the Europeans created, invented, produced everything, which is just factually not true. But it teaches white Europeans that they are superior to blacks because they created everything, and that blacks are inferior to them because they created nothing and have only been slaves or savages in Africa, even though the center of learning for the world was the Library of Alexandria, was Timbuktu. But they omit that. They teach us about the Pythagorean theorem, but they don't tell us that Pythagoras, who was a Greek, went to Egypt to learn the Pythagorean theorem for building that had already been going on for 300 years in Africa. So because of that, through education, teaching through omission of us, we are considered less than. And then the things that they teach about us is that we're savages, we're uneducated, so forth and so on. And that helps turn those biases that they may have picked up at home that is reinforced through media, which is owned by white people, that we are less than. 
It teaches us that we're less than, and it teaches other people that we are less than, therefore they are more, they are greater than. So if we want to truly change the trajectory of our country, and we cannot do it with laws alone, it has to be done in changing the mind of us all. And one way that can be done is to insist that our education system, I'm talking pre-K through 12 and all schools of higher learning that are publicly funded, integrate and incorporate African-American history and culture as well as African history and culture throughout all curriculum in all of our schools just as European history and culture is integrated and incorporated throughout all curriculum in our school. And this is a goal that can be accomplished. This is something tangible. And this is something that I would love to hear you brothers champion because they get the biases at home and then they learn it and get it reinforced in school, pushed by media. This is this is maybe something that will take years to see the fruits of it, but it is something that we can do. Okay. Uh, Do me a a favor. Um, Will you give out that information to your your show again? It's Our Own Voices Live on Blog Talk Radio. We come on every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time, which is 3.30 p.m. East Coast Time. Okay. Thank you so much. Is there a phone number that people can call? Yes, you can call into the show just like calling into this show. The number is similar. It's area code 347 347-826-9600. 347-826-9600. 347-826-9600. Yes, sir. Okay, and we'll and we'll definitely uh, post that um, on our site as well, so that um, our listeners uh, have that information. Thank you, uh, Corey. What do you what uh, What are your thoughts for this final question? Uh, and it's a solution based. Am I correct? Yes. All right. Uh, All right. I, 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 yep. I'm gonna start out. With, I'm gonna start out with two quotes, and then I'm gonna go into what I got to say. Okay. All right, this is by Mark Twain, which is and, and it's related to what I got to do. All you need in life is ignorance and confidence. Then success is sure. Think about that. Ignorance, uh, confidence, white man, success is for sure. Carter G. Wilson says the Negro mind had it had been but had been under the control of the oppressor. Probably go down there for his English side. When you control a man's thinking, you don't have to worry about his actions. So. Going to that, if you remember, 19, right before Malcolm died, he was a problem until he started talking about economics. See, everybody's hollering, everybody's hollering this education, education, education. But education can only take you so far. Because, see, we've had black history forever. We, we've had black, well, I would say forever, but ever, ever since Carter came out with the black history books, we've had it there. We have yet to latch on to it because we don't see ourselves as those people. We don't see ourselves as Americans. We don't see that we even – we think the slaves came over empty-handed. But they have to realize the slaves made America what it is. They made America great. They the one brought the, the music. They brought the culture. 
So my solution to it is, as Malcolm would say, is economics. That's why he hated the civil rights movement. It wasn't what they were doing that he hated. It's the simple fact that we were big, begging to be at a table that we could not, could not afford to eat at. Racism is a byproduct of power and greed, which is money. If you solve that issue, you can then slowly begin to solve the racism and the intellectual base of it. So, yeah, that's my process. Let's control our own neighborhoods. Let's control who comes into our neighborhood. Let's control those things. Now, during that phase, let me get educated. Now, if, if I got my money, then I'm educated, I can buy a politician. So so, so politics is not, not it's like a third or fourth factor. Because if I got the money, then I'm educated, then I'm going to buy my politician. Then I'm going to show you who's boss. If you look at every, if you look at the 2%, education is not a big thing for them. It's all about wealth. Like the guy said before, it's all about wealth building. Because they know economics drives the whole thing of who's going to get educated. So without, without, educa- without, without economics, education is a non-factor. It's only going to get you so far. And that's what we hard on is education, education. And remember, after the Reconstruction period, that was the largest time in our history as African Americans that people went to college, that people got educated. But how far did it get us? Nowhere. Because once Reconstruction ended, we were still as poor as we were before. Our economic situation has not changed since Reconstruction. Look at that. We made about the exact same, our income level, our, our poverty level is about the exact same thing as it was during Reconstruction. Because we have not changed. So my solution is, let's work on becoming more economic sound. Then let's get educated. Then let's buy us a politician so we can change laws that we want. That's my solution. <laughs> Very much appreciated, sir. Uh, Corey, uh, before we um, before we go to Tony, is there anything that you have coming up? Uh, we do have some uh, some listeners. Uh, in the, uh, as I guess you all say down down south, the dirty south, uh, <laughs> we do have some we do we do have some listeners uh, uh, down south. Uh, anything that you have coming up that you want the people to know about, or uh, well, how can the people we're, we're, get in touch with you? On my Facebook, you can always hit me anything that you want to discuss. Talk Corey Barnes. I'm on Facebook. I have no, I I love to to learn. I love to see people's views. We I, we might not agree, but le- let's put it out there because we all are different. And I'm, I'm, I hate that when one black person speaks for everybody. We're so different, and we're so multicultural in, in different ways. So what, what, I, what I will be working on, hopefully by the end of the year, I'm going to, going to we, I want to do a Black History event in February, uh, one like I did, we, like we've done before. So I'm gonna get with Tammy at some point and start working toward that. Uh, I got some things that I want to get out there. So ne- next year. It's going to be my year going into activism and going into being out in the community. So I'm going to have things geared up for that. So just look for it. It's not there yet, but we get, well, I'm, I'm moving into that direction. Again, Corey okay. Bars on Facebook. Hit. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Tony, what, uh, what solution do you have in mind? Solution is twofold. Like he said, and I'll piggyback a little bit on Corey and a little bit on um, – uh, something with voices. Two things. One, it, it has to be education, but economics. You know, you have to be able to understand how money works and how how you need to get to that point. 
I've said it earlier, you have to beat that past, and it's a, it, it's a process. You can't circumvent the process to get to it beforehand. You're not going to get there by trying to jump a stage. You just need to follow the process. And it's not, a, it's not an easy road. It's a long road. It's a hard road. But it's a good road if you finally get to the point where you can get prosperous of making money for yourself. But the other part of it is the solution. It, it, you have to be able to, our kids, know your history, man. Know history. Understand it. Don't get, don't get angry and blind of rage because certain things happen. Embrace it. Know it. Keep moving forward. Napoleon said two things. He said, one, history is a bunch of lies agreed upon. That's what he said. And he said the other thing was that in order to, he, 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 when he went to, um, he wanted to find the cradle of civilization. He, when he went to Egypt, he went to Africa, and he saw Sphinx's nose, he shot it up because he said he didn't want anybody to see that this was the cradle of civilization, that something with that flat nose, which was, of course, beautiful, could be that. But the solution of everything else is, and the key, again, is economics, controlling the dollars in your neighborhood, controlling, like he said, we're the largest consumers of everything, but we don't own a lot. Now, the good thing about it is you've got people like Michael Jordan and LeBron James and those guys who have made hundreds of million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in their career, and they're starting to own things. The question is, are there going to be enough people, educated brothers, that are going to be able to get in there with them and and, and, and help increase the economic growth in those communities? Michael doesn't really help out the community. Let's be real about that. But LeBron does. I think LeBron will be a, a big – he's doing – he's expanded his, his, his net worth into movies, et cetera, et cetera. So – He's one, but you need more people like him, and he's getting people educated. He gave out a bunch of scholarships to a 1,000 black kids, black young youth, to go to college. I think that's great. You need more of him that have some kind of economic movement where they can actually provide these things. That's one of the solutions. But the last thing is, again, education in white schools and education in black schools is based on tax dollars. And in white neighborhoods, their houses. In most black neighborhoods, it's projects. Well, if my school district is based on tax earning dollars to learn and I live in the projects, I'm not going to have the same quality of education as the kids that live in $100,000, maybe $500,000, $600,000 homes. So, you have to be able to use athletics or whatever means that you can and get your education. And then if you're able to make it to the NFL or the NBA or whatever pro sport you want to make, when you earn those dollars, learn to save those dollars and start to use that economic power that you have and growth and be like a Magic Johnson and put uh, movies in the community and jobs in the community with Starbucks and et cetera that he's building in the community. You need that. And if those things can happen with more people like Magic, more people like other people, more people like other big black businessmen that can come in and do the same thing, 
then that's that's a start. Do I think it can be eradicated? The generations, the young, the younger generation is not being as indoctrinated with the racism with it because they don't really want to hear it. They're about just trying to get their money, but they still have some of the, of the, um, the, 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 the ramifications of learning that stuff from their parents who passed it down from their parents, who passed it down from their grandparents, who passed it down from their great-great-parents. Like I told you, it's systemic, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. The solution is that you're never going to totally cure it because the 2% who's controlling the media don't want it to be cured. They want it to still continue to fester and fester, and they're doing a great job with it. I hate to say it like that, but they are. They're doing a great job of continuing to 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 put race out there all the time, and we're hit bombarded with it every day. Watch your Facebook feed tomorrow or watch the news, and you tell me. And the last thing I'll say or share with this, and it's a different topic for next time, why is, black crime in the, why is crime in the black community always on the news, but we never see anything about really white crime in white communities? Do they commit crimes? That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, uh, Tony, is there any? Uh, uh, do you have any uh, events coming up? Um, well, any um, information you would like to share with everyone? Uh, uh, how they can get in touch with you? Um, well, they can go to my. Uh, they can go to my. My um my Zumba page. I'm a actually a, a light. I'm besides me my regular job. I'm a licensed Zumba instructor. And um, they can go to Anthony Edshill uh, at Zumba dot com, and they can find me on there. And you know they can message me or email me, and that'll be great. You know if they have any questions, my email address is on there. And, and that's Edge here without and that's Edge here without the e. Correct. <laughs> and they just go on there. Go, just go to Zumba. dot com and look at uh, instructors on there. I'm, you know, there and you'll find me, Anthony Edcho. I'm on there. Okay. Um, and, and I sent you uh, um, uh, a pretty lengthy uh, Facebook uh, message, uh, Tony, just because we could not get to everything that was coming at us tonight. Um, but I do want to thank you, um, and Tammy would like to thank you as well for being on um, and being our special guest for tonight. We also want to thank Corey um, and all of our listeners. Uh, we want to thank Our Own Voices Live for calling in and being a, 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 just a tremendous asset to the show. We also want to thank Henry for calling in, um, and no time is ever too late, Henry, uh, to call in. Um, I do want to remind everybody about our huge event coming up uh, next Saturday, September 26th, uh, here in Northern Virginia um, at George Mason University. Um, I, I'm hoping that um, one of these guys, because because they are are close, uh, the other guys are pretty far. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> I would really be hoping that they would. Uh, be able to join us as well, but I'm hoping that one of our speakers uh, from tonight is is, is available uh, next Saturday, and they'll figure out who I'm talking about uh, because they they are actually uh, uh, here in the 
here in the area. Um, but they'll let me know if they're free, and, and hopefully they'll be able to be a part of the event because uh, we are expecting a great time. Uh, for those of you listening, um, if you are in the D.C. area or you want to do a spontaneous trip to the D.C. area, let me tell you, <laughs> the event that we're having uh, next Saturday, September 26th, is going to set this area on fire. Uh, we have over 100 people um, registered um, and expected to be in attendance with us. Uh, we also have some special guests. Uh, we're uh, happy that DCW50 is uh, planning to cover uh, this event. We're also glad that El Sol of um, our CBS uh, radio local affiliate here um, in the uh, D.C. area is planning to cover the event. Um, it's, it is just going to be a great time, and we're going to be talking about something that's important to every single American, and that is education. Uh, for more information, please reach out to either Tammy um, on Facebook, or you can reach out to me, Rodney Jordan. Um, you can also email me at jordanliterature at gmail.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-U-R-E at gmail.com. And I and as far as this question, and, and, and this is how I'm going to end the show, as far as this question that I just asked these uh, gentlemen to answer, there is no, uh, there, there's more than one way or more than one solution uh, for this racial problem that we have in the United States. And I just started teaching an engineering class, and that's something that I've had to adopt. Um, and that is because you see things one way and because I see things a different way, does it really mean that either one of us are right and does it mean that either one of us are wrong? So I'm going to end with this quote, and I think it's very fitting because we've talked a lot about Africa. And it comes from a person by the name of Miriam Makiba. I hope I pronounced that right. And the quote says, I look at an ant and I see myself, a native South African endowed by nature with a strength much greater than my size so I might cope with the weight of a racism that crushes my spirit. We want to thank each and every one of you for being on with us tonight. Yes, we did go over, but what can we say? That happens sometimes. This has been another classic episode of the Butterfly Evolution Show. We pray that you all have a blessed week and a great night's sleep, and we'll see you next week, same time, same station. Good night, everybody.
ever since It's been a long, a long time coming But I know a change gonna come Oh, yes it will It's been too hard to live it But I'm afraid to die I don't know what's up there Beyond the sky It's been a long A long time coming But I know A change gonna come Come around. 